Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of All My Friends. I hope you are safe and doing well while listening to this podcast. Uh, so much craziness going on, and I saw a perfect meme to describe it all. And this is what it said. 2020 is going to be a synonym for crazy for the rest of time. Here's an example. Yo, my man over there is a little, you know, 2020. Or, I gained control of the car for a moment, your honor, and then things went a little 2020. Yeah, I'm going to start working that into my uh, vernacular and when I'm speaking with people because, man, crazy is definitely represented by 2020. Now, my guest on the show played football for the University of Wyoming back in the 90s when I went to school, and he was on one of the better Wyoming football teams, the 10-2 1996 Wyoming Cowboys. They never went to a bowl game. Go look it up, and you'll see why, because there weren't many bowl games. Now, I'm always interested in finding out how people react moving to Laramie, Wyoming from a bigger populated area since since I moved to Laramie in 1988 from a suburb of Portland, Oregon. So we got into Wayman's experience about being recruited by the University of Wyoming, moving from from, uh, California to Laramie, Wyoming. And folks, bear with me. During this interview, we are on Zoom. Internet's not perfect, so sometimes the audio gets a little rough. Uh, I try to edit as much as I possibly can. But just bear with me. This is all via Zoom since we're not doing any face-to-face interviews just yet. So, you know, technology. It's Sometimes it's awesome and sometimes it really pisses you off. Born in Oakland, California, but raised on the lovely Monterey Peninsula. And were your parents from that area of California, or did they meet somewhere else? How'd they meet? How'd they get so, to the layman? Well, well, there we go. Um, my mom originates in uh, Pinedale, Louisiana. Her family, because my grandfather's in the military, comes to California. Uh, my dad's father, Bluefield, West Virginia. Well, actually, he's born in Waxahachie, Texas. He's in the military. So I, both my grandfathers are in the military. Uh, meets my grandmother in Bluefield, West Virginia. Moves uh, my dad out to Fort Ord, California, which is right next to Seaside, California, which is where I in Monterey, California, which is where my formative years took place. But uh, my father through college at UC Berkeley and then Solano, Co- well, Solano College in UC Berkeley in California meets my mom in Solano, finishes at UC Berkeley. I'm born in Oakland and the rest, at least for me, is history. So siblings yeah siblings got two uh younger hardhead brothers uh you know my parents were busy so you know i'm born in 74 in march my middle brother is born in 74 in december that's not even nine months so i'm sure my parents weren't you know they say you got to stay off the mom for however long 
my dad definitely wasn't heeding that advice, you know, because you ain't supposed to have a sibling eight months. My, my, my brother is born December 19th. I'm born March 21st. That's not even nine months. So obviously wow. my parents weren't. Yeah, exactly. They weren't, you know, they, they're not following the prescribed time you're supposed to lay off. Uh, and then my other brother's born October of 76. So jam-packed us in there. But, you know, I got three brothers, and um, and I'm the oldest, man. So, yeah, we were all – I'm born in Oakland. The rest of them were born on uh, the Monterey Peninsula. So we had, we moved down to where my dad was actually ra- – you know, he was born in West Virginia but raised um, near Monterey, California. Seaside, California actually is where uh, – where I grew up and lived and uh, and that's where my dad grew up and lived. And so, yep. So um, you obviously three close brothers being that close in age, uh, would you travel? Would you guys all hang out together? Um, did you guys all in your separate ways? Uh, how did you establish your own identity? You know, usually the, the oldest has to blaze some trails for the siblings to get through and uh but you guys seem just packed together you know and we're we're pretty packed together but i I think we kind of took my 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 dad's lead and you know my dad played football and so we all kind of strive to 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 emulate him and follow in his footsteps and me being the oldest brother you know we did everything so i i played football i ran track i played baseball i ran or played basketball and and so did all my brothers um you know my youngest brother played in the nfl for a while but yeah i mean we we all kind of had similar goals in mind we all played at uh a major level of, of college football my younger brother obviously was the one who took it took it the furthest but yeah we we they kind of emulated me i kind of looked out for them but from the very beginning, we um, probably sports focused, um, you know, and scholastically focused as well. We wanted to make sure that uh, we, we were smart in the classroom, but we also wanted to make sure that we excelled on the football field. And depending on the brother, some people excelled more at the academics than the football and football than the academics. But we kind of still all had both lines. Your parents drove your academic side as well? Like, were they hardcore about that? Or or is it just you guys being competitive against each other? Okay, we got you on this field. Now we're going to be competitive in the classroom. Well, you know, my dad uh, was definitely one who, well, both my parents, you know, drove us both academically and athletically. Uh, My dad probably didn't have to drive us off the field, well, actually, probably had to drive us more off the field. We we all wanted to be number one and best and and everything else. Listen to my dad's stories and and everything that he had done in college and, and everything else. So, um, you know, we we kind of strive to be the best and, and and competitive. And then I'm sure, as the oldest brother, kind of setting the precedent. Uh, they wanted to make sure that they were better than, than me and, and kind of eclipse what I had done. And when I got a scholarship to play at the University of Wyoming, they wanted to make sure that 
at minimum, they got scholarships and, and what have you. And like I said, my youngest brother was able to, to play for the Giants and be on a Super Bowl team, even though they lost to um, the Ravens and, and so on and so forth. But um, we're still competitive. I mean, we're all in our 40s. And anytime we come together, we want to see, you know, who got the flabby muscles and, and everything else and, and everything else. So, I mean, we're, we're, we'll be competitive till the day that we die. And, and that's just kind of how things were in my house. I mean, me and my youngest brother look a lot alike, but we, you know, it's crazy. We, we called each other ugly, but we look alike. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it, it, it's just, right. You, you, who has the best girlfriend and, and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it's continued and will continue to continue. The good thing about it is we don't do it with our kids. So we don't, that's not a hundred percent true. Like when we come together during the summer, when we're in California and, and we have, let me see. So I have a girl and a son now. My middle brother has two girls and a son. And my youngest brother has three girls and a son. So we, we throw the girls on a crazy uh, amusement park ride to see who's who's going to be scared. And so I feel bad for them because none of them can be scared. We're like, you know what? She's not like put her on the roller coaster. Oh no. You know, you're like eight, nine years old. But anyway, that's how we are. Like we, we're kind of living vicariously through our daughters. We're not making them compete in sports and we don't get into the, you know, all the other stupid stuff that we were in, but they can't be scared. I guess I can say that if, if you're scared, you're assed out. Not, it's not a family trait to be scared. No. Not, not, not on, not at the amusement park. Like you gonna park. get on the damn ride, especially with your other cousins here. I don't care if you're screaming or crying. Here are the three tickets at the fair, and you're getting your ass on. <laughs> I got you. Are they? Uh, is your family still in California? Did they spread out? Like you took off to Wyoming. Yeah, everybody else is still in California. Um, the majority of my family is still in California. We actually just now had a, you know, before I got on with you, we had a huge Zoom call. So I have a cousin who uh, is Secret Service for Pence and the White House and, you know, all the way to, you know, so he was in the Marines. And um, so it, it's cool because we we're very connected and, and we support each other and whatnot. But from... DC to to California, you know we we're still supporting each other. But uh, yeah, my brothers are still both in California and, and will never leave. That's the one thing about California is if you don't really ever get out or too far away from it, you 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 believe it's the greatest thing in the world, and, and in some ways it is. But you don't really get outside yourself and experience different cultures and different things, and so. You never leave. I went to San Diego. I've been to San Diego many, many times. And I've debated living there. And I was like, if I ever lived there, see ya. I, I, right. I, the world would be damned. Like, I wouldn't It's so nice, the weather, the ocean. I, I could very much be like the big one mask. I could very much be just, you know. And, that, and that's Monterey. Management. I mean, yeah. Mon Monterey, Monterey is San Diego with a few hundred thousand less people. I mean, yeah. so, it, I mean, it, it's, it's moderate temperature, 69 degrees every day. Um, 
you know, beautiful weather and, and, and the food is great. The restaurants are great. Um, I mean, there's nothing to complain about. I took my fiance there last summer and she never wanted to leave. She talks about going back. That's what I grew up in. Um, now, gas last summer was like 423 okay. a gallon. Right. So, I mean, that's the drawback. But uh, if gas is always three seventy five four dollars and you don't know anything different and, and and so yeah that that's what people in california are used to if you've not experienced something different fortunately or unfortunately for me you know when i came to wyoming i'm paying x amount of dollars in gas in, in california and it's less than a dollar in wyoming <laughs> shit my gas tank you know in 92 my gas tank was always full. Oh, I got Theo Ratliff in my car. I got Quinn Higgins in my car. You know, I Ryan Yarbrough in my car. Everybody used, they didn't have cars, but, and I brought my car from California. My car was always full. And I didn't care if you used it because I'm paying less than a dollar a gallon in gas. You can I, use my damn, I don't, you can use all the gas in my car. I will fill it up. I would be like, like, I, I was one of the few guys in my crew that had a car. And so I'd be like, five bucks, we're good for the week. Just give yeah. it up. Right. You know, and you can ride my car anytime. And they were like, sure, right. no problem. <laughs> right. I, didn't, I didn't even need gas money, man. You didn't I mean, get that. But no, the, the transition from California to Wyoming, and, you know, it was like 70 something, like less than a dollar. I don't give a damn. What? <laughs> it's less than a dollar. Shoot, whatever. I will fill my damn tank up. Yeah, that I, I do remember. Because I was like, yeah, when I, about the same time I was going to UW. So what made you choose the University of Wyoming? How how they lure you in from California? All that nice weather, besides gas prices here. How they lure you in? There's, there's a few different things. Um, you know, I've had to be honest um, with myself and, and with other people as to how and why I wound up in, in Wyoming. Um, we'll start with, and, and I, I don't know if these are in order, but we'll just, we'll go from here. First off, Kevin Sumlin, who was the head coach at Houston and then at Texas A&M, and who was currently the head coach at the University of Arizona. He was the receivers coach at the University of Wyoming and was the, the coach who came and recruited California. So um, he's, and for those that don't know, he's black. So that had a profound effect on me because I got recruited by over a hundred different colleges when I was in high school, but I only had maybe two or three of the people that were in contact with me that, that were actually black. And so he was able to relate on a personal level, talk about family issues and cultural issues uh, that resonated with me. And I really felt like we had a connection um, he thought that I would thrive in Wyoming. Um, I got recruited to 
the University of Washington, who my freshman year at the University of Wyoming won a national championship. But he convinced me, he convinced me that uh, if I went to Washington, I would never play. Um, now, who knows whether or not that would have been true. But the point that I make is um, I kind of just bond with his coach. Um, and, and so that was very significant. He was able to come into my household and, 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 and speak to my parents and so on and so forth, and they felt comfortable. And, and so that's a major reason why I wound up at the University of Wyoming. Now, secondly, and, and I'm not going to say the University of Wyoming was disingenuous, but be, because it happens everywhere you go with recruiting, but I come to the University of Wyoming on a recruiting trip in February of 1992 you come in under the cover of darkness and I, I forget what that hotel is called now but it was a holiday inn out the edge of town remember it oh, used yeah. to be the holiday inn right yeah. so you come there you fly in to Laramie and, and you see all these lights and West Laramie and everything it looks like a big town Right, you no different than anywhere else I've been. It's spread out. You see all these lights, whatever. Okay, big enough town, whatever. Um, everything is on the outskirts. So they take me on the outskirts, and I, I go to the Holiday Inn. Nice hotel back then. Um, I'm shuffled to a party out at the barn in West Laramie. Oh yeah. Right. So you, you remember those? <laughs> right. Yes. You remember those? And um. And, you know, it's happening. Same thing that's going on in California. Nice mix of people. Um, and, you know, the next day I'm on campus. They take me out to Snowy Range on Saturday morning. I've never been on a snowmobile. I've never seen snow. Uh, uh -huh. Then they take me out to, um, what's the name of the restaurant off of uh, 287 going out of town towards Fort Collins? Calverman. Calvary Cal yeah. So, I mean, what is not to like about? Oh, they beat oh, you up. Laramie style. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, but, and then they lie to you too. They lie to you. Right. They lie to you because they tell me, you know, I'm from California. Uh, we don't even practice when it's raining real, real hard in Monterey. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, practice is canceled, whatever. Uh, I'm not real keen on playing in snow. Obviously, I, I've never seen snow. I don't really want to play in snow. Uh, uh, coach, what happens if it snows? Well, we have indoor facilities. Um, and plus, we're going to get a dome on the stadium. Of course, it's putting a dome on this stadium, so you don't even got to worry about it because you might have to play your first year in the snow, but after that, we got a dome. And as far as practice is concerned, if it snows outside, we got an indoor practice facility, we're coming inside. So I remember the first time that it really snowed about October and it started snowing, didn't even have my feelings hurt because I know we're going inside. And uh, <laughs> so I look at Coach Sumlin and, you know, it's, it's starting to come down. And I say, hey, man, uh, 
It's snowing. When are we going inside? He said, go inside. We playing this shit. <laughs> right? Like, and you can't cry. I wanted to cry. I can't feel my toes. I can't feel my fingers. I'm in California. Like, I'm not. Anyways, uh, you learn very quickly that people will study anything to get you there. And then you've got to survive. So, um, but, you know, part, part of the gamesmanship of the recruiting, part of who it was that was recruiting me, and also, and I'll never forget, uh, my grandmother, God bless her soul, I wanted to leave Wyoming after my, my freshman year. I wasn't, I wasn't playing. Um, you know, all, all these different things going on. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. The riots had happened in California my senior year. So USC and all these other schools weren't doing that well and weren't doing that well in recruiting. And I probably could have gone back home and maybe gone to some of these other schools. And what I'm telling everybody else, as far as my family is, Wyoming has this small student to teacher ratio. Um, I can learn a lot in Wyoming and so on and so forth. And I remember when I told my grandmother I was leaving after my freshman year, she said, are you getting a good education? You still got that small student to teacher ratio? She said, you ain't going nowhere. And I didn't go right. Because, because what I, what I was spitting out there was actually true. I mean, in the university, I'm glad I never left. Um, I'm glad you know, that, that I formed the relationships and, and, and got the education that I received at the University of Wyoming. I'll sing the praises till the day that I die. Uh, it was a great place to go to school, great place to get an education, and obviously a great place for me to play football. So, so you came in as a wide receiver, but ended up a corner. How'd that happen? You, you got to have hands to play uh, receiver and uh, – Man, you know, I played running back in high school and, and, you know, they talked me up and I was going to be the next big thing after, uh, after Ryan Yarborough. You know, I went to Marcus Harris's wedding and I still give him crap about, about it to this day, probably within the last month. Um, and, I, and I gave him crap at his own wedding because – I mentored him. Like, he came in after me, and, uh, you know, I was going to be the next big thing after Ryan Yarbrough, and then here this cat that I'm mentoring, Marcus Harris, becomes the next big cat. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, I played, I played running back in high school. I didn't run routes and, and do these different things that they wanted me to do and, and was never really comfortable felt more comfortable lighting people up and playing from the defensive part of the field. And I, you know, I lettered four years doing that. And, and I'm glad that I made that transition and that switch. Otherwise I probably would have been, been riding the bench. And so, I mean, I've, honestly to say, and, and I have no problem admitting it, especially not in my forties, I probably would have fought you in my twenties saying that I couldn't catch, but I couldn't catch where the dam uh, and became a and became a DB that I could catch. It's crazy how when you don't have that that pressure on you, you know, to catch the ball, that you can catch. 
How many how many picks you got in Browning career? You know what I can't. Forty six years old, man. I can't remember oh. how many picks, and I I never. I had a few picks. I, I will definitely say that. And I get. I'll tell you this. However many picks I had is way more. Let me see. One, two, three. I gave up three touchdowns in my Wyoming career as a defensive back. Yes, because we've had conversations about this, and I always preach your words when I'm like, yeah, uh, it's a 15-yard penalty versus a touchdown. You're tackling that dude if he gets past you. <laughs> like, that's just – right college working the rules. I loved it. Every time I thought about it, I was like, I'd scream it. I'd be like, tackle that guy before he even gets to the end zone. Right. Don't let him just run free. Man, tackle had, that dude. I had some great defensive back coaches. Uh, we, you know, I, I, I do the Patriots way. It's not cheating. Uh, you know, it, or what do they say? It's, it's, it's uh Patriots way. It's, it's not the, <laughs> it's not cheating. It's not. I forget how to say it. <laughs> you're not. Uh, you're not trying if you're not cheating or, or or something to that effect. But you know, my DB coaches had a whole bunch of of, of different techniques and 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 ways around rules where, you know, we're we're out there they're fighting and and they also told us that as a DB. The only time you're going to get your name called was either on an interception or when you were standing in somebody else's picture when they scored a touchdown. So, you know what, you got to be out there fighting and struggling. And, uh, and But honestly, that's the best position. I don't care who you are. The defensive backs are the best players on any team because you – on the offensive side, you know where the ball's going. You know, if it's a run, like Randy Moss, you can take a play off, take two plays off, the ball's not coming to me, uh, whatever. You know, linemen on the opposite side of the, the play, I'm not saying that they take the play off, but, you know, if you're not play side, so on and so forth. But as a defensive back, you never, ever know when it's your turn. And for that reason, your heart rate is always accelerated. You never know when the ball is coming. And I loved it. And I guarantee you the conversations that take place between that defensive back and receiver are like none that happen on the football field. I can't get into everything here, but I will talk about everything from your sister where you went to school, how slow you are. I mean, you get into some in-depth conversations when I have to see you 50, 60 times a game. <laughs> I will tell you everything about you that I can see, and none of it will be positive. I was shocked at the amount of talk. I covered a lot of games, a lot of your games. Oh, yes. Man. On the sidelines. And I was shocked, and I <laughs> – or I'd hold mics and I'd point him in. And I'd be like, "Nope, we're not pointing into that." Uh, <laughs> right. right. So keep that mic away from that conversation. Right. Right. Um, no. I was shocked. Like talk because, like, I mean, I just played high school and stuff. But I didn't have time to even open my mouth. Like, I wasn't even thinking about things. I, like, I couldn't even think of the words to come out of my mouth. Talk shit, to somebody. But 
Uh, I mean, they did eventually. Like at, towards the end, like in my career, I remember guys talking smack to me because we were beating them, and I was just right. like, they're just trying to get in my head, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. But I couldn't imagine college was such a different game, or just to have like Harris caught a pass at my toes, like landed right in front of me, and he gets up and he's like, oh hey, rude. Uh, where's the party at tonight? And I was just like, <laughs> hey, we're playing football. Like, we can't talk about this right now. Like, it, it was an interesting level being close with the guys, too. But right. I was just like, what? Um, and, but what? that was good because I knew plays. So I'd watch your feet. And I'd, so I know where a lot of things were going, what was going on. And I covered right. it so much. So I'd be like, okay, we're doing this. It was nice. It's how I found my way. It was awesome to cover that. And I was glad I wasn't getting hit anymore. I watched you guys hit, and I was like, I'm glad I don't play football. <laughs> no, it was it, good. You know, playing playing in Wyoming was the greatest thing in the world, and 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 no one else in the world has this experience because coming from you know one of the smallest populations as far as college colleges um, in the country. And then we're going to Fresno. We're going to San Diego State. Uh, we're going to Iowa State. And we're beating them. We're beating them with Marshall Falk and so uh, Trent Dilfer, so on and so on and so forth. And to have the entire stadium silent and you got 50 Wyoming students or 50 Wyoming fans screaming in Jack Murphy Stadium. There is, it's a surreal situation. I mean, nothing that anyone can ever duplicate. It's you, the players on the field and the coaches, and those 50 fans and that connection where you can point to them, they're pointing to you, and the entire stadium is silent. There, there is nothing like it in the, there's nothing like it in the world. Like no one has that experience except people that have played at Wyoming or, or smaller schools like that, that have actually been able to go in to those bigger schools and beat them. I love that more than anything. I mean, it's one thing, and we had a great record, obviously playing in front of our, our home stands under, under coach Tiller. I think we were like seven or 800% winning percentage. So we didn't lose very much in Wyoming, but to go to those other stadiums and, and, you know, even CSU in the snow my senior year, uh, and to have them silent and, and only have the Wyoming side screaming, nothing, I can still feel that. There's nothing like that in the world. Nothing. I, I didn't travel all that much. I remember with CSU, easily see you. Um, I went out to the San, San Jose game, you guys' senior year, and everybody's family was there. Right. And, it was blowout by a third quarter easily. Right, um, right, you guys, right. If you guys are listening that didn't know, look up uh, what 96 Wyoming team um, right. was just 10 and 2. I always right. tell people, they're like, what bowl game? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> and uh, like, oh, there weren't any bowl games. We kind of got shafted on that one. And I was right. like, the offense was crazy. The defense backed it up. And, but watching it out in San Jose to see everybody's family out there. And like it, they took over the place by the time the fourth quarter was rolling around, everybody was getting playing time. I was like, I got to meet a lot of family because I had my roommates that, of the, on the team and everybody, I've known everybody, but I was just like, that was pretty cool. But yeah, it is definitely being a part of that 50 fan base that shows up at big stadiums and we win. 
and we won then, which was awesome. I, it's if people that don't know about about like how Tiller coached, it's so familiar to a lot of this passing game today, uh-huh. and and he had it going on late eighties, nineties. I mean, and it, it, you never, I, I never saw the team on, they never had a losing record. I don't think no. under him. No, we did not. And so I was like, and, but yeah, there was, when I got here to Wyoming in 88, it was like one year Roach and then Tiller right. came in after that. And there was some eight and eights there, but, but right. offense was just ridiculous. Like crazy. And the defense backed it up. I always thought I was like defense backed it up. The offense has put up a lot, puts up a lot of points, but the defense held their own. And so it was a great feeling to look back at those years at, at the football team, a connection. Cause yeah, I'd roommates, but like, I was thinking about, I was like, man, that was so offensive hangout. Like I hung out with all, besides Van Leer cause he was a broadcasting major, but I was like, I didn't know any defensive dudes. That well, all offense, straight right. across the board. Besides, like Greg, because he was in my right. classes and stuff. But I, I was like, I wonder. That was quite interesting. That friends of offensive players remain friends. Like go in the bar, I go automatically gravitate to the offensive side. <laughs> I was like weird, or if I wasn't DJ or whatever. So academics. I remember you in college being in all a part of the all academic team. I mean, that's a feat in itself to be a part of in college, which I think, I mean, that's pretty amazing because I struggled as a student. I wasn't a great student, but to balance football, to balance being away from home and then being all about academics, how did you attain that? You know, it's fortunately for me, you know, and, and having a father who had, the football and academic experience and kind of training me that way and kind of pushing me that way. Um, I kind of came in with that base. But but also, um, you know, just making sure that you you weren't limited in any way. I, I wanted to excel both on the football field and academically, and, and you don't, I say you don't, I didn't want anyone to, to pigeonhole me. <clears throat> we get these stereotypes uh, of, of what football players are like, what basketball players are like, so on and so forth. And, and I didn't ever want anybody to be able to look at me, even though they didn't do uh and have sense and be able to say, well, I can tell he was a football player. I got the I, I got the opposite, which sometimes was offensive. Like, well, you know, I didn't know football players could be so articulate and, and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to excel both on and off the field. The University of Wyoming definitely made it possible to be able to do that. We had tutoring and um, all type of uh, facilities and uh, different avenues where if we needed help, we could get help. There was no excuse not to excel in the classroom if you had any type of motivation at all. 
uh, obviously the name of the game in college athletics is, is to make sure that you can play. And, and at minimum, the University of Wyoming provided that, but, but they provided so much more. And, and like I said, if you came in with any motivation, then, then you definitely were going to excel at the University of Wyoming. The class sizes were small. Uh, I really felt like I took a personal interest and, and had an opportunity to provide input into my education. And so I just kind of ran with it. So, so definitely my upbringing and, and, and all, uh, also the, the opportunity provided to me at the University of Wyoming was just, it, it was a perfect match for me. And, um, and that's why I say, I'm one of the biggest advocates for the University of Wyoming because I received a great education. Um, oh, and also let me say this too. As a football player, and, and I can't speak for any other sports because, you know, I did run track uh, at the University of Wyoming, but primarily it was football that paid the bills. Your time management, you don't have, you know, you as a regular student, you have to manage your time. As a football player, I didn't have to manage my time at all. I had to have my classes done at a certain time so that I could eat lunch so that once my lunch was over, I could go lift weights. And after weights were over, I could hit the practice field, so on and so forth. I, I didn't, there was not a minute, a second where my time was not managed until uh, my senior year spring semester when there was no football and here I am at 10.05 watching Matlock at 10.05 on TBS to get up because I, I don't I don't know how not to you know have something that I need to do um, you know we're, we're playing basketball in half acre uh, missing classes because you know you don't have somebody checking on your classes but you don't have to worry about time management when you're at the University of Wyoming, when you play football, your time is managed for you. Every second of your day is taken up or at least accounted for. Somebody knows where you are. You know where you are. There's no games. And so, you know, I, I give credit also uh, to the football team. We, you, you don't have to worry about it. Your time will be managed. You We'll know what's going on, or somebody else will know what's going on for you. I did like it. They, the guys did what movie Fridays. We did. We did movie Fridays. Um, you did a group activity that kind of hopefully kept worked in bars. I didn't see you guys at least till then, till after the season was over, but. I knew it was Movie Fridays. I was like, Movie Fridays, I shouldn't see the guys. So, but it worked for what I saw. And I like that, that you did a group activity. It wasn't just, okay, you got to stay home. We got, no. you know. See, that's part of the maturation of, uh, of Coach Hiller because we didn't, my freshman year, we didn't have Movie Fridays. My sophomore year, we didn't have Movie Fridays. It might have been my junior, yeah, my junior year where we started to get into Movie Fridays where, you know, we, we kind of came together and, 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 you know, God forbid you were just going to see a movie <laughs> yeah. uh, at the, 
you know, at the movie theater when when you got these 80 football players coming in because, you know, we got our own inside jokes and, and we're taking over the entire theater um, and so on and so forth. But, you know, Coach Tiller, too, even when uh, we had our home game and there was CSU, uh, you know, we, we would wind up sometimes staying in hotels or whatnot because, he, you know, he didn't want us out, and it's Laramie, and, and, and let's just be honest, we're going to get out and do our thing. But, um, you know, we, it, it was basically family-based and, and, and football team-based, and, and and we didn't want to let each other down, and, and we all bought into it. Uh, you know, he wouldn't have had to do anything at that point if we would have heard that you were out at the bar or doing something reckless uh the night before a game, we would have cut your head off. He wouldn't. He would not have had to say a single solitary word, and and that's just built into the program, um, where you have love for your fellow teammate. We bled, we sweat, we made it to this point, and for you to be uh, so callous as to be out drinking or partying the night before a game, man, you would get your head chopped off. And I can't even name one example because it didn't happen. Well, I remember coach come through, like, you seen so-and-so? I'm like, no, no, they're not here. <laughs> I saw games over there. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. The best no, we not we, yeah, we weren't, we weren't doing that, man. We and, and you know what? You would have some football players out, but they weren't playing like you yeah you if you knew and we knew if you didn't have a chance of playing or whatnot you're just gonna sit on the sideline and be by the heaters go ahead and go out but if you were gonna play your ass was gonna be in bed snug um and make sure that you were ready to play the next day because if anybody ever found out that you were out or whatnot it's a wrap so it's not nothing you were ever even gonna risk I liked it. I liked it. So showed, showed some uh, self responsibility for the. I mean, for oh, the you, you had to, man, and it, not even self responsibility, but responsibility to your your team and and your coaches, and and obviously to yourself as well. Because it would be difficult, and I always say this, and I that's where I, this is where I give college athletes a lot of slack. I'm like, you want to be a college student just like us, so you want to do college things, and I'm like, I understand and I get it, and. Uh, so I, I'm like, I, there's, I get some slack, but then I'm like, also you got a scholarship to, to you know, take care of. So right. honor those responsibilities first, right. go have fun or whatever you gotta do. Right. But I was always like, I could see this, the struggle cause you're just another, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old one to have a fun time in college, like the rest of us, but you got bigger it's, responsibilities and it, it, it's not oh, for everyone. No. Not for everyone, not everyone makes you a, through a college. You, you hit the nail on top of the head. It's a struggle, and it's a maturation process where you you try to figure out where you fit in it. Yeah, because you see everybody else partying, and you're in your dorm room sleep, and you can hear people screaming down the hallway or outside your room. Um, and and I'll never forget what my sixth grade teacher. There's an old uh, Ben Franklin proverb, I guess I'll say, that said, uh, early to bed, early to rise, 
makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, my sixth grade teacher used to tell me, early to bed, early to rise makes a girl go out with other guys. And, and, that's, <laughs> what you, <laughs> and that's kind of what you're going through. You know, I like this girl and some other dude that's not on the football team likes this girl and he can go out on Friday night. You know, but, 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 right, but, but that's what it is. You, I can't go out and party, you know, on the weekends like these other cats, but that's what it is. So, like I said, it's a maturation process, and, um, but, but it also makes you grow up, and, and you handle your business during the week. Like, you, you know what? I'm going to make it good enough for you, girl, that even if you don't see me on Friday, you're going to wait. You're going you're gonna to wait to see me after the game on Saturday. And, and I'm kind of talking crazy, but, but that's what it was. Like, you, you had to handle your business Monday to Wednesday or Monday to Thursday because the rest of the time, you know, you might see me Saturday night if we won. If we didn't win, and that's the thing I love too, you didn't see football players out partying on a Saturday night if we lost because that was another thing that would get you to head chopped. We, no. Why are you out at the bar on Saturday if you lost? Clearly, you didn't leave it all on the field. Oh, my goodness. Don't let anybody find out that you were anywhere. In, I mean, I swear to you, my senior year, I can remember Jay Jenkins coming over to my house. Levon was my roommate. Um, CSU was playing Air Force. And CSU played uh, – we had a bye week. And uh, we wanted Air Force to win. CSU beat Air Force on some last-second catch. And this is on a weekend. We're all going to go out and party, whatever. Nobody on the football. Because CSU won on our bye week, we didn't go out. I mean, that's how serious – nobody went out. Like, we, we did not even go out when CSU won on our bye week. So, let alone on a week that we lost – but like I said, that's ingrained in the program. I'm not from Wyoming. I'm from California. It doesn't snow, at least not where I'm from. I'm on the beach. But you learn to hate CSU. I didn't like anything about Fort Collins. I love Fort Collins. I didn't like any. I mean, I hated everything about CSU until I got older and, and, and whatnot and kind of shook some of that stuff off. But you know, that's my arch enemy, my, my rival. I hated everything about it. I hear you. I, w- uh, I got into it. I, I, became, I, I don't know if I was that hardcore Wyoming when I started going to the University of Wyoming because I was still a Ducks fan from the West Coast. Mm, okay. The University of Oregon, or Wyoming. And, but the more I covered sports and, like, I had to cover – so your guys' games, like if you were gone and come back, I got to take, do the highlights right after the game. I got to do coaching. Right. Show. So, and I got to right. cover other sports. So I was one of those, well, I'm staying home on Friday nights with you guys because <laughs> I got to go cover you in the morning, and it's easier to do when I'm not hungover. Right. And so I found out that a lot. Um, right. I was like, wow, this team really controls my life. And I don't right. one second, but it was fun. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I noticed myself falling into those kind of take care of myself at certain times. Well, I got to do highlights. I got to do stuff like that. And I always ask my friends, I was like, when did we sleep? I was like, I had two jobs, I partied, covered all sports. So I was like, when did I get any rest? 
And I was like, right. no wonder why on vacations, like any sort of breaks, I slept for 12 hours. <laughs> I was like, right. it's a college way. Right. And I told my little sister she would be always bitch at me when I'd come on on breaks and like, why are you always sleeping? I was like, just wait, <laughs> college. Yeah, and she did. And I woke her right. up one time and I was like, wake up. And she's like, <laughs> didn't find it funny. But I was like, see, suck. Exactly, right. You're burning right. up both hands, but you're the perfect age to do it. And now you got this tack on a sport, but they say they take care of your time. And so that's yeah, a, so when college, did you get your degree in four years, five years right away? And I, I took me six, so no shame in. Yeah, uh, no, got my, got my uh, political science degree, sociology degree. Um, went back and got my teaching certification. But yeah, I got that in four years. Um, yeah, I went to the University of Miami. I should have got my sports management degree there, but I, I left before I could before I could get that. But, you know, I, I love school and I love learning and, and um, hopefully someday, you know, I'm able to help kids again. Uh, I'm not in that field currently, but to help kids matriculate through the system and, and can be a conduit for learning for kids uh, like so many had before me. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I can't, sing the praises of the University of Wyoming enough. I, I really enjoyed my experience there. I should, I should have, I guess, waited eight years to graduate because I enjoyed it so much. But, it, you know, it, it really was a great institution. University, you know, can call some of my professors, friends, um, people that I still talk to to this day. Uh, pharmacists and student health, you know, are on my Facebook timeline. Uh, secretaries and the, the vice president of student affairs officer are on my Facebook timeline. You know, there's not other colleges in the country, very few, I would imagine, where, you know, where you could do that. So it was really a great time uh, for me, a great time in my life. And I wish I wasn't so old because I could remember you know, more of it, but I mean, some of it definitely has passed, but, but I, I do remember having a very warm feeling and will always for the University of Wyoming. I wasn't loving it when I moved here from Oregon, like 13 years old. My stepdad got a job, but it changed my family's trajectory of life. My right. stepdad got a job. My mom got a job. I ended up going to the University of Wyoming, get my degree. I now work there for the last 17 years. Right. Um, not something I thought was going to happen. Not something. I, so eventually I was just like, I love this place. I'm in like season tickets, football. I'm all about everything. University of Wyoming. And so it's, it's interesting because it was a hard sell from the cover of Sports Illustrated. My parents were trying to sell me on that. And I'm growing up in a suburb of Portland to come to right. Laramie, which so suburb of Portland. Right. So I was not a fan of this town or UW till I was probably in college and went, ah, this is a good time. And I'm learning. Right. And like you said, I, I enjoy working in the education process. I work in technology, not necessarily right there with the students, but I know what I do helps students and instructors. So 
I feel good about what I do at the end of the day. And so like education, I don't make the big, huge bucks, but I got good retirement. I got, I mean, it's treated me very well. And so I always try to sell people on University of Wyoming. I think I, all the time. And I just looked up our tuition, which was way more than I thought it was for out of state. But I was like, <laughs> well, all right. Um, so I always talk it up, but I'm glad there's still advocates like you out there as well that, that push the University of Wyoming. It's a good school. The, the, they, we still have those small teacher-student ratio. That still exists very much. Um, I know it's a whole new world of education now being that COVID has happened. And so, um, yeah, let's get in that. Like, how, how are things down in Dallas with you? Like, um, what, what is the reaction? Your family staying safe? Like, how, I mean, what's going on? I always want to know what people are doing. Why? I mean, it's such a different story because we don't have a big population. So, and it's funny because people ask me all the time, honestly, uh, how has your life been impacted since this pandemic has taken place? It hasn't affected me very much. And, and the reason why is because and my fiance sitting to my left. You can't see her, but um, she have a baby with her. <laughs> She's slapping me right now. Um, <laughs> but we have a, a year and a half old son. And so before the pandemic hit, we were planning on traveling. We had done a little traveling, um, doing date nights, running around. Uh, she has kids who are in high school. One's gradu graduated this year and going to college. You know, you met my daughter who's um, going on 11 years old. And so the kids are pretty much self-sufficient. They can hang out by themselves. We can do whatever we want to. Um, and then we have this one and, a year, one and a half year old son. So we're on lockdown once again. And so we were used to being at home, doing family stuff and watching movies and, 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 and what have you. And so we did like to on occasion go out and go to Chili's for birthdays and, and what have you. Um, it's not really impacted us a whole heck of a lot. What I will say, um, it's affected my fiance more than me. Like I said, I've not slowed down through this pandemic. I've had to work uh, every day through it. She has been really, excuse me, um, resourceful, head personal trainer at the Y and um, shifted a lot of her business online. Um, and, and, it, and, and she had to do that for survival uh, way before it was actually a necessity for her. And I've kind of watched her through this whole thing um, and it found inspiration because she did it not knowing what was going to happen. None of us knew what was going to happen. Um, and, and it's a good thing that she had because she survived through it. She's excelling through it. Um, my experience has not been probably what it's been for a lot of other people because, like I said, there's, there's not been one day of work with the exception of Memorial Day, which uh, we would typically have off, but I could have worked anyway. Uh, I, I've not stopped. 
but my son hasn't had to go to daycare. Um, we've had all of our meals or most of our meals at home in, in a family style setting. Um, it's, it's actually been a blessing for me and my family and, and, and not much has changed anyway. I mean, it's not like we were out there and out and about with the one and a half year old. I couldn't do much anyway. Um, as opposed to if he weren't here, you know, we, as a matter of fact, he was born in December of 2019, 18, 18, 18. Um, shit, we were supposed to be going to Vegas. And then she made me have a baby with her. Like I said, don't hit me, Tony. Um, but uh, she threw a napkin and said, uh, but yeah, we, you know, we were, we were footloose and, and fancy free. Um, and, and with our son, who has been a, a huge blessing, we've been in the house and, and we're still in the house. And the, the only thing it's done is kind of made us be creative in the way that we cook in the way that we think and the way that uh, she makes a living, the way that we think forward. Um, and, it, and it really has been a, a blessing. So, you know, I, I've not really seen at least in, on an individual or familial basis anything negative. It, it, it really has been a blessing for us. I know that that's not the same for everyone. And, and I don't, definitely don't want to project that somehow everyone should uh, share in, in, in how I'm feeling because, like I said, I know it's impacted everyone in some different ways, but it, it really has been a blessing for me and my family. How are the high school age kids, call it, like, how are they taking it? Like, are that See, and that's, it's funny because it, it hits them at different times. So, you know, the youngest son, is the only one with a girlfriend. So you have to go through now. I'll, I'll just use the term responsible. Some people, depending on whatever side of the spectrum you fall on, may not say that I'm responsible, but um, you know, he can see his girlfriend if they want to go for a walk uh. at the park. But but no enclosed spaces or areas. He can't go to her house, which at times makes him mad because her yeah, the right. So so if her parents say, you know what, come on in, and we say, you know what, it's still not safe out there. He's looking at us like, why are we the kooks or crazy people? Um, and, and that happened. I mean, that that. Is not something that I'm I'm trying to, to make up that that happened. In the same vein, you have a son older than that, whom um, is competing for a spot on the varsity football team. And this pandemic is not over. People are catching this virus in gyms, and his friends are going to the gym. And his mom saying, "Wait a minute, like that's the wrong place for you to be." Um, and, and obviously she's a head personal trainer at the Y and, and so he's looking at his mom crazy like everybody else is doing it and you're pretty much limiting my opportunity by doing this and then it's funny just yesterday 
um, you know, her daughter who's going to college in the fall says, mom, I'm bored. Like, I, I don't know what to do with myself because she's been very strict. She, she's not done anything. She doesn't hang out with her friends. Um, she doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't do anything. And so every day is the same for her where she's in a room, she's on her computer, she's watching Netflix. Uh, she takes walks around the park and, and, and walks two miles or, or three miles a day and then comes home. And I can't imagine being 18 years old on my way to college, not seeing any of my friends walking around the park, sometime taking her one and a half year old brother with her um, and, and that being my reality. So um, I feel bad for them. I feel bad that this is the reality. Um, I feel bad that she didn't have any of the memories because down in Texas, at least this part of Texas, her last day of school was Friday, March the 13th, um, so spring break, and never had. So what, seni what senior memories do you have? Uh, no ditch day, no, no nothing day. Um, and, and then you're off to college. And, and, and so I really do empathize. My heart goes out to kids across the country, not just here. Obviously, this is my reality, and, and this is what I've lived through uh, vicariously through them. Um, but, I, but I feel bad for them all in different ways. Yeah, I, I find it that I have to have the conversation with friends. Like, we can hang out, but I, it's, this is a trust factor. So don't, don't get mad at me if I'm masked up or whatever. This is a trust factor. And I go, there's certain people, certain friends in your life that, like there's two guys I know right now, or three guys, I'd be like, oh, I trust you not to. And that's kind of the hard talks. And I don't know if, if high school kids or, you know, the walk around the park seems like an appropriate way to go. But, like, if you could have the talks, like, all right, you for two weeks again, see anybody else. I would do the same. And then we can hang out. Can you, people have that discipline? It's hard to do, especially that young. So, uh, I mean, it's tough. Or you just, you choose a pack of guys, pack of girls, and you're like, okay, you are my friends for until this is over. And we're not going to put each other in harm's way, but that's so difficult to do. Americans don't have the, as I always we don't have the discipline. And then we have a good chunk of society saying this is like a hoax or, or where my personal freedom. So this is going to last longer than we, it should. And, and if people took a little more precautions, you know, and literally I, we need more education because if people believed in science, not the junk science, we wouldn't have a lot of issues. We've got ahead of this, but we're here now. Yeah, I get it. And it's kind of interesting. We had an earlier conversation before this offline you're like, oh, yeah, nobody believes in COVID-19 down here. It's over. Like, that's how I kind of feel in Wyoming. Like, when people see me in a mask, it's a little different because it is very liberal for Wyoming. Right. right. There's a lot of masks here, shockingly, right. for Wyoming. Everywhere else in Wyoming, not so much. Right. So they're like, you know, it's that I see the looks in people that don't wear masks like, why are you wearing a mask? And I'm just like, I'm not getting into it right now. I see it kind. <laughs> Don't bait me into this right now, but I just get my stuff done to get out. And um, 
I was kind of already a homebody and I, I've kind of already experienced a lot of life. So I say to you, I was like, so me going sitting at home for a while is just me catching up with a lot of stuff. I did in my twenties and thirties. It's all right to sit at home. It's not that bad. My yard's looking really nice. <laughs> Everything like that. We had a huge snowstorm here. I don't know if you saw those pictures and such. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I did. It was a kill. Like that took my mind off everything. Like, it yeah, was, I don't know. Okay, clean up my front yard. I, I didn't think about anything. Don't else. I don't know if you've seen online or, or caught any of. Uh, and it was before, kind of some of the civil unrest uh, that's been happening in the country. But uh, like, I become a martini expert. I don't know oh, if you've seen man. online, man. I like literally. There's not a martini probably made that I haven't made over the last uh, two, three months. Uh, so you know, like I said, we we would go out on. Friday nights and, and, and typically we're entertained by sports on the weekend. It would have been basketball, maybe bleeding into baseball right now. We don't have that. So, you know, we, I, I become a martini expert. Um, my fiance uh, contributing to this debauchery has bought me a countertop ice machine. Um, so, I mean, it, it just continue. I mean, so, Anyways, uh, it, it's just, like I said, made us focus more in home. Uh, we, we've just kind of found ways to, to, to focus on each other. And, and yeah, you know, that transition was, was really crazy because in the beginning, and, and we both talked about this, uh, Dallas and Houston were kind of running neck and neck as we were starting to be coming to a peak in April. And so everybody, when we went to the grocery stores, would be wearing a mask. And now when we go to the grocery stores, like you said, you're kind of like the odd person. Like, why are you still wearing a mask? But Dallas, yeah, we're 2,000 cases a day now. And now nobody's wearing a mask. So like I said, it's hard because we're living in the moment and, and it's hard to project a future, but but I want to see my daughter again, and I haven't seen her in six, seven, eight months. And am I going to be able to see her again in November when they're predicting this second wave? Like that's the type of stuff that we don't see that people aren't thinking about. And, and I'm really concerned about, I mean, we live our day-to-day -day lives. I'm living my day-to-day -day life, but, but I'm trying to live my day-to-day -day life in a way that protects me, my family, and, and hopefully everyone around me. We, you know, no one knows, and we're still trying to figure out how this thing is spread and, and, and what it is and, and those things. But if I can take extra precaution even if I'm foolish in the process, I didn't ever need to wear a mask this entire time and wore one anyway, because I think I'm protecting myself and other people. I don't see where that's a bad thing as opposed to you not wearing a mask and potentially spreading this thing and, and, and causing this to go on way longer than potentially it ever had to go. You know, they're hanging out in New Zealand and able to do whatever they want to do because they shut everything down in the beginning and, and they've had three or four weeks of no 
reported cases where, you know, I don't Island, understand. They just got that stuff. Right. From America, you know, so, they just got two. Yeah. Oh, did they? It's an did island. They? I was like, yeah. yeah, they got two. They were Americans tra- uh, traveling, I think, stu- like, uh, stewardess. I don't think they call it. Travel attendants. Uh, yeah, brought it <laughs> in. I mean, it's always Americans. Like, you like, yeah, brought Americans. Right. Um, right, right. But right. it sounds like it's an island, and you if you could lock it down, like that's what you gotta tell people think like an island. Right. If you can right. keep people out of your island, yes. you can keep it away. And right. so it's just uh, it's fascinating because I was like, Hey, I, I talk about my radio shows and other podcasts. I'm like, Hey, if nothing happens, you know, and we all live and we're all live productive lives, you can make fun of me, I don't want the adverse. Because right. there'll be a lot less of you, a lot right. less of us out there, and I'm not willing to, especially like sacrifice elderly or people with breathing issues or diabetes or heart disease. And so I always tell people, I'm like, I hope you've checked your health. I hope right. you. I go to the doctor twice a year. I know where my health's sitting because I have to go for diabetes, so I know I got to do. It. But I don't know if everybody does, and so you're 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 gambling. <laughs> You're gambling literally with your life and other people's lives by just, I don't know, maybe staying at home, not wearing a mask, not yucking it up with everybody. I don't know. Drinking out of bars, not that important to me as most importantly, like having other people live. I know we got to make money and we're going to figure this out. I mean, a lot of people have shifted online. I get it, but we got, you know, there's industries. We just have to figure out a new way. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to decide. I'm trying to figure out the education side of it. And, but it's, it's adapting. It's not putting our hands on our shoulder and going, no, I'm not going to do it. Everybody be damned. It's, we're being checked in society as humans. And I, and I, we spoke about it earlier and I said, we're the virus because the planet's yeah. thriving when we stay inside. And it's a lesson yeah. that needs to be learned. If we can coexist, maybe we don't get coronaviruses. Maybe we don't get AIDS. Maybe we don't get these things that are human killers if we took care of a planet that puts out these human killers. Just a thought. I mean, and that no, it's, it's a great thought. I mean, it's backed up by uh, science and it's backed up by just going outside. I mean, and, and how great has it been? You know, I'm not sure how Laramie has been, but, uh, you know, going around in Dallas and the neighborhoods that I go around to on a daily basis and, and seeing people out walking, out walking their dogs and out walking their kids and, and, and having their kids hang out and around. What, what's bad about that? Yeah. Um, what is the negative uh, impact of that? Now, I know, you know, we talk about the, the economy and, and what have you, but, um, you know, family structure and and those things that, that have taken place. Like I said, my fiance being able to be home with 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 the kids and 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 our youngest son and him not going to daycare and all of those things has been a blessing to me. And I'm sure many other families that I've visited through this entire process. And and, and still, you have these people whom somehow their their personal liberties and rights have been infringed and impinged upon 
Um, am I wearing a mask or being told to stay home for the protection of maybe society at large? I, I just don't understand it. it, it mind-blowing to me. I'm not, I've, I've read the alternative or inverse to, to this and, and, and still don't see it can't understand it um i understand that we may not have all the facts all the knowledge but like you said make fun of me make fun of you at the end of the day if somehow this winds up not being what it's been predicted or or, or somehow supposed to be um but but if that's what you get to do to me at the end of the day as opposed to lose your life i'll take that yeah, or or even going to like the hospital for an extended amount of time, or having right. one of your children go to the hospital. Your mother, right. I'm just like, hey, how about we don't? And then, right. and that's why we stayed home because we didn't want right. to fill the hospitals with a sick people. Right. And I was like, just because we didn't fill them doesn't mean we we should not stay home. Like it's not over. And until there's a vaccine, until a good chunk of the population of the world is vaccinated from it. And there'll probably be another one that comes around, but we will be more prepared. It's just so fascinating that that, that hit like nobody, I mean, everybody, oh, I saw it coming, different officials, I see that. Oh, we, we had prepared stuff and I was like, well, clearly it didn't work and we're sitting in the middle of it. So it's how you act right now to it and how, you know, I hate the finger pointing of this, it came from here and there and I'm like, well, clearly that's not gonna clear it up. If it did, it'll be a whole lot easier, but it's not going to clear it up. No. We have to, our situation, we have to adapt. And people, Americans especially, don't like adapting. It's sad, and I want us to be smarter and and have more patience and ha- and just be, be able to be trusted. But it it's not, and it, it sucks. And... We're going to be in it for a lot longer than, than we can, than we need to be. And it's great. You can see the silver lining. And I've seen it too. I'm, we're fortunate that like, we don't live in huge apartment complexes to where you know, just going out your front door is scary because there's a thousand people you could be sharing air with. Just going out your front door is, could be a frightening sight. I'm lucky I can walk out of my house and walk around the neighborhood. There's lots of people walking around, like you said, kids, bikes all the time. So I was like, that's the plus side of it. But I, I feel for the people that are in those pods, you know, in cities, and I'm almost like, just come to Wyoming, but stay away from me. But there's lots, <laughs> of, space. There's lots of space out there for you. Grab a camper, just set up in the middle of nowhere. But at least you'll have like some fresh air around and you're not on top of each other. Because I can imagine living in New York right now. Oh, man, no. I'm so happy I <laughs> made that decision to leave 17 years ago. All right, I got one last question before we wrap it up. And I ask okay. you, it's a tough one, though, because it, it, it racks our brains. It's like, well, how did we meet? It's all my friends. This is the show. You know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, we, we've met, and, and obviously you can only meet one time, the first time, but we, we've met a few different times in different ways. And so, you know, I'm going to say that the term meets is a subjective term because I met you 
as a roommate of Josh Walwork, some offensive linemen. But but we didn't really, you know, we didn't we didn't hang out. I knew who you were. You kind of hanging out with them. Uh, I remember when we destroyed Demetrius's room. He didn't know who it was. Um, I'm not gonna say who the other we was in that situation, but um, so so I knew you then. So I'll say I knew you then. Um, I knew you as a DJ at at the parlor, um, and, and obviously. I'm not going to say a relationship was forged there, but but I knew you then, and 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 at least enough to to say I know him, and and he knows me, um, but but really no interpersonal relationship or or experience there, uh, but but later in life, as you kind of move away from the DJ thing, move on to the University of Wyoming campus kind of DJing on the side at Lovejoys and, and I'm matriculating through life and, and doing some different things. Um, I'll say that's where we really met and that's where we really started hanging out. You know, you, you've acquired your parents' place and having, having shindigs and get-togethers get there and, and, and inviting me to those uh, places and, and, and those things and, and, and just seeing you out and about uh, at at uh, Wyoming barbecue cook-offs or, or whatever it may be in town, uh, seeing you on campus in, in, in your job or whatnot. I mean, that's where the relationship actually was probably forged and, and solidified. Uh, and, and we really became friends, um, even though we were acquaintances or we knew each other for a long time, way back. But we, we didn't really start to get to know each other in a, in a real personal way um, uh, until we started to have those experiences. So for me, you know, that that's really, you know, we're going to tailgates and, and we get into any conversation. We get into conversation in sports. We get into conversation in politics or, you know, what's just going on in Laramie or so on and so forth. And so, like I said, um, once we started to do that, get away from kind of some of those college years and, and experiences and, and kind of get to know each other on, on some of these other personal levels is where I will really say that we, we met, even though we knew each other and we've known each other for a long ass time. Yeah. I, yeah. Like during the football years. Yeah. I mean, I knew a lot of the team and probably after that more or less because the team, you know, goes separate ways you stay around i mean we're still in laramie still so eventually you just you're you wayman no longer cornerback like you know I'm, I'm no longer i don't dj quite as much then and then um, but it was i remember when i because i was working at lovejoy's it was scott and now he's gonna kill me because i can't remember his name now um i want to say josh warner warren warren yeah i should look it up <laughs> cody Scott, you hung out with Scott and Cody. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Cody Warner. Cody Warner. Like, Cody Warner. Yeah, yeah, Cody Warner. And I was like, yeah, I know this dude. That's from, like, back when I was in school. And they're <laughs> like, oh, wow. And so from about that point on, yeah, tailgates, all that stuff, being around town. 
yeah, that was when the friendship probably truly solidified. But it was definitely from knowing you from the football days and DJing and stuff. I th- I do remember this is odd, huge fight at uh, parlor, and it was with two Marine, Navy guys I knew, and like the football team, and those two guys were dropping the N word, and I was like. All right, I'll let you kill them. Like I was just like, that's not cool with me. Have fun, you know. I was just like, and then bottles were being broken. I was like, okay, that's not gonna happen here. <laughs> so I got you guys out the back and them out the front, and I was like, go kill each other in the street, whatever you got to do. But I was like, and I remember you being a part of it. You were the easiest, probably to be like, hey, I chill out, like not a problem. But I was like, I have an issue if that were just flying around too, and so. I remember one person saying, you grabbed Monty, the defensive tackle, like nothing. And I was like, he was drunk, okay? If I can manage him <laughs> like that, then he's not a defensive tackle. Like, no way, right. he's drunk. And I was like, I just didn't want them to shed blood in the middle of a parlor. So right. I was like, I was trying to get people out about, it was, that was probably my first, like, right in front, you're in my face. I'm like, okay, I'm not fighting any of you, but I'm trying to prevent you guys from actually getting any trouble. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. It was, uh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Way too I many times there that I had to go, okay. Not with, uh, that was the one with football players I remembered particular. Me, Monty, Vic, Jay Jenkins. No, I believe me. I, yeah, that one's uh, brandish into my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 Monty, yeah, it was Monty who kind of set that whole thing on fire and, and, and what they said to him at the at the door but uh but yeah no i mean it, it, it's been great and um you know it, it it's just kind of funny how things uh evolve or or mature over time and uh, you know like i said knowing you as a dj knowing you as somebody who was on the sideline and, and filming games or you know the roommate to some of the the people that were on the team to, to someone who I actually consider uh, one of my friends and who I'm in a losing uh, betting college football pool uh, to every year. Um, uh, you know, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, how life is and how things mature um, and, and how your, your life evolves. But, but that's where we are now. Like I said, someone who's, who's seen my daughter um, and, as, as she's grown up in Laramie and, and through different things, and, and obviously she's not there now, but and, and I'm not there now, but um, has kind of seen me mature and and and, and matriculate through life in, in some certain stages and in ways uh, is kind of too cool there too. So yeah, why not? Well, thank you for being on the podcast. We probably talked for hours. I glossed over a lot of stuff in your life, probably. Uh, right. We probably could talk for a long time, but people turn out to a podcast after a while. So I give right. about an hour or so. Um, right. I'll have more. Um, I mean, this idea kind of thrived in this situation. Right. Um, very first podcast, they were face-to-face. The rest, all via digital. And uh, luckily, I know how to use the technology very well. So I'm very comfortable with it. But love to get you face to face so in the future i go my sister lives down in dallas so i'll probably be down there there's direct flights from cheyenne to dallas now so i like that 
And, yeah. and I'm coming back up as soon as I can. I mean, we, we obviously, my fiance went to the University of Wyoming. Okay. Uh, we, we, you know, she's from Sundance. Uh-huh. We we want to we want to come to games. We want to obviously introduce my son to games and and so on and so forth. She's a big Broncos fan. I'm not gonna hold it against her, but no one's perfect. We right exactly. We <laughs> we, we we definitely plan. So whether we're face to face down here or we're face to face up there, awesome. I definitely plan on seeing you as soon as I can. All right, man. Will you guys stay safe? Folks, I am looking for a artist or artist to put music on my show. Like you heard just there, that was a free sample. I want your music on my show or your friend's music or your friend's band music or your band's music. Just have them send it to me and I will put it on the show. I just need a little sample clip of maybe a guitar riff, a DJ riff, uh, scratching the records, bass line. That was a good one. Uh, or uh, you can even come up with your own theme song for the show. It's called All My Friends. But I just want your music, and I will talk about you, and I'll give you uh, mass props. If you see me that music to use for the show, and if the show gets bigger and bigger, we'll maybe like we'll have a theme song or an intro or something like that. But you will be like the house band or the house artist of All My Friends with Justin Flaskrud. So if you know somebody that can do that, Get a hold of me on social media, or if you have my digits, text me or email me, or, or if you know me that way. But send me that music. I'd love to put it on my show. Maybe I'll rotate it out with a few different artists. Uh, who knows? But I still need that music. Now, folks, I never put two and two together when it came to Kevin Sumlin being a wide receivers coach at the University of Wyoming back in the 90s. I always thought he looked familiar when I saw him coaching at Texas A&M and now Arizona. I was highly involved with athletics from the video side when I was in college and had football player roommates for years, so I'm sure I saw interacted with Coach Sumlin regularly. You need these kind of interviews to jog your brain about what happened way back in the 90s because you never really think, oh, that was an important moment in my life or meeting that person would pay out later or I'd recognize him or he'd go on to coach great teams. So it's great to have these interviews for my mind and uh, we can put it to digital and then we have it recorded forever and ever and if we all lose our minds we can go back and and listen to these interviews and be like oh yeah that's what happened. So thanks Wayman for uh, being on the show and we'll get you back on. Maybe we'll have like a football player segment or something. We'll get Josh and a few other players I still stay in contact with on the show and uh but until then on to the next episode